Ladies and gentlemen, all rise. Court is back in session. Welcome to another exciting episode of The Devil's Due. I am your host, Carl Duty. With me, as always, is a man who, if you mail in six flag points to thedevilsdue.com, he will send you an 8x10 autograph glossy. Mr. Drew Celestino. Hello, hello. How's it going, sir? Uh, it goes. It goes. Oh, it goes. Oh, the things. Things are going. Many, many things. <laughs> um, so, yeah, folks, we got this. I'm not going to lie. It's going to be a big show. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, later on in the show, we will have Dan Larson from Toy Galaxy returning to the show. Uh, Dan was very generous with his time again, and we had a fun little uh, G.I. Joe discussion. Um, but we, we had ourselves, uh, a weekend. We sir. did. We did. Um, and it's, uh, not for nothing. It has spilled into today. Yes. So, so opening statements, opening statements. Let's, let's get at it. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to buck ceremony a little bit and I'm going to go first. Cause I know you got, okay. Okay. You okay. Got, okay. You got the, the majority of it. Um, yeah, not a lot happened this week. Uh, <laughs> wow, way to set us off. <laughs> um, played played board games Sunday night at my friend Adam's. Uh, some X-Wing Sunday afternoon with my friend Reese. Uh, I'm try- you know what? I know there's something from this week I'm forgetting, and I apologize because I know it had to do something with someone. I don't know, yeah. but... I mean, Friday from Friday on was just very, very encompassing. Yeah, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let you go, sir. Well, I mean, other things happened. Other things happened, and let's just get right to it. Um, Friday was Wrestle Kingdom 13. Yes, we did not do game night. We did not do game night. We did Wrestle Kingdom 13. We had a nice little we had a nice little crew over here. Um, at, yeah. at Casa oh, de Drew. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I forgot. Oh, oh, um, oh, oh, I, yeah, oh, I know, oh. I know. Uh, Saturday, we went to a birthday party at Pulp 716 ah. for friends of the show, Kate and Nate Lockhart. Their, there their, their young lad, Teddy, turned four years old. And if memory serves, today, uh, January 8th, is Teddy's actual fourth birthday. So, Teddy, from the Devil's Due, buddy, happy fourth birthday. All right. Happy got birthday. Him, got him DuckTales toys. Oh, woohoo. Those are a thing now. What What a time to be alive. Isn't it? Um, okay, so speaking ahead, of Nate, on. though, he came with you to watch Wrestle Kingdom thirteen. Yes, uh, y'all have a good time. Oh, dude. <laughs> okay, all right, dude. all right, all right. I I like like we've always said we don't shy away from our passions on the show, and and professional wrestling is is more of a passion of yours than it is of mine. Yes, but the times when I get to partake with you are extremely enjoyable because it's always <laughs> NJPW. NJPW is the truth. Um, I mean, it always will. Well, <laughs> I shouldn't say always will be, but it, but for the foreseeable future, it will continue to be. And um, the, the Wrestle Kingdom 13 was no exception. Uh, tremendous, tremendous show from top to bottom. Basically, uh, the card was insanely stacked. And um, by and large, I felt that every match delivered in its way. Um, Cody and Juice Robinson, maybe not so much, but the reason for that was that Cody had a knee injury that he had scoped out the day after the show. So in fairness, if he was limited, I'm willing to give that a pass. 
Now, having said all that, every everyone brought their A game to the table, and um, it's a roller coaster of emotions for a lot of reasons. Um, the main event being the biggest, uh, the biggest high and the lowest low of the evening. Yes. That being the match of the night, easily Kenny Omega versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. Oh, so good. That was uh, you. You bore witness to a excellent excellent match in the in the wrestle kingdom lore yeah that's one of the one of the top matches like, i've seen on a wrestle all kingdom. the matches were the opening match kota Ibushi versus will osprey was insane those guys are insane <laughs> like numerous times numerous times throughout the show i stopped and went i think he's dead i think he's legitimately dead <laughs> there were a couple times where you were right there with me yeah, uh, spoilers. Kota Ibushi did sustain a, a concussion in that match, and also possibly a detached retina. Just FYI. If that's all he got away with, he got off white. <laughs> it's all in the cell, Carl. Um, and sometimes it's all in the delivery as well. But yeah, it was great. It was you know some people I've seen uh, are actually disappointed in Wrestle Kingdom 13. I think the hype level was built to a point where maybe nothing could have satisfied these people. Yeah, I look. <laughs> It was a top-to-bottom great show, and I'm not going to knock it for being... Maybe some matches were shorter than uh, NJ, NJPW matches tend to be, but the big matches delivered in big ways. So The, the Jericho match where he DDT'd uh, Naito. Uh, Naito on the table, and yeah. Naito just kind of stayed vertical for oh. like a, a half second. And Jericho ate that pile driver on the ramp, and that actually ended up tearing out a chunk of his of his hair. He posted a picture on his Instagram after that, and oh my, it was pretty bad. Um, Naito, man, he sells the crap out of Jericho's offense. It's so awesome. Like it, that match was was very good. Jericho, at age forty seven, by the way, is having quite a career renaissance in NJPW, yeah. and it's pretty cool. Um, and uh, hopefully, it continues. It's gonna his his career is gonna continue. Uh, I'm gonna get into what where we're at right now with all of this. By the way, um, good for him. Uh, yeah. A lot of guys at at that age, twenty years ago in the nine, late nineties, you know who those guys were in WCW, cash and checks, putting in awful work and uh, looking bad doing it. Jericho's out there; he might physically not be in his prime physique or whatever, yeah, but he's putting in the work in ways that I can't believe he's doing, and it looks like he's having a great time yeah. doing it. And, and folks, if you're if you're a new new listener to the show, uh, we definitely appreciate you. But if you're kind of sitting there going, oh, "What are these guys talking about wrestling for?" It's just stupid, and fake, and whatnot. Listen, <laughs> back in the early days of the show, I said my views on professional wrestling are: it is a performance art. It yes, the outcomes are predetermined, but it is by no means fate. It is storytelling like combined with physicality, combined with characters, combined with pageantry and, gl- yeah. and gl- glitz and glamour and really high highs and really low lows. And, re- and wrestling has it all, man. And NJPW was Wrestle Kingdom was a performance art at its finest. NJPW just, does storytelling better than anyone, um, and they do it in the ring. They don't rely. In, if, again, it always comes back to WWE, and I, I'm sorry that it does because I really don't care about them. They, they are the, they're just not good. Uh, NJPW does not rely on goofy storylines and and meanie promos and and sh- and soap opera e 
schmazzle kind of crap to get their stories across. It's generally guys who want to be the best, and they are going to settle that in the ring. And now there's going to be individual quirks to that kind of stuff, but it's all very character-based, and their characters are consistent, unlike WWE, and they tell long-form stories. So you know, when you see two guys facing off in the ring, it's not something that was just cooked up you know, over nothing over a period of a week or two. It's usually usually been simmering for months, maybe years, and it's done in a way that is completely organic and consistent with those guys. And it always, I mean, it pays off. One way or the other, you feel a cathartic payoff to this stuff. And Wrestle Kingdom is usually the, it's both the end and the beginning of of NJPW's year in a lot of ways. And they, they deliver it again. So, tremendous show. I'm glad you guys came over. We had a great time. I had a great time. And we enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, it's been kind of the afterglow of that, honestly, since that day. Um, sure, I did some stuff over the weekend, but really um, keeping up with the um, who's going where, what is happening in the aftermath of Wrestle Kingdom has been my kind of my uh, mental uh, place the last few days. And, Drew, what is happening in the aftermath of Wrestle Kingdom? Yeah, I apologize, folks. This is going to be wrestling talk for a little while. Um, <laughs> okay, so... The Elite, uh, well, members of The Elite, Cody, Hangman Page, and the Young Bucks, uh, they all had their final appearances in New Japan Pro Wrestling, or at least their final appearances for a little while in New Japan Pro Wrestling, because today was the formal, well, they formally announced it before, but today was the rally with more announcements and official things surrounding it of all Elite wrestling it is backed by the jacksonville jaguars owner and his son cody rose is the adva- uh, the executive vice president uh the young bucks are also i, I couldn't tell russell kingdom that cody rose was affiliated yeah, as he, with it oh. as he rocked jaguars colors <laughs> and jaguar print yeah yeah i know um but uh, the rally was today. They announced talent, uh, SCU, that being uh, Kazarian, Christopher Daniels, and Scorpio Sky. They are elite. Um, ne- the former Neville, also known as Pac, before he went to WWE and now again as, as he left WWE, one of the best wrestlers in the world, he joined All Elite Wrestling today. Okay. Um, and uh, Joey Janela. Uh, who else was there? Um, I'm missing guys. I know I am, but the importance to the one that, I mean, a lot of guys joined AEW today. They announced, you know, in an official capacity, uh, who should show up at the end of the big rally. But Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho is all elite wrestling. Nice. Now, again, this is all really cool. I'm excited for it. They announced that uh, in May, the second all-in show will be taking place. The first, obviously, was in September. We talked about that. 10,000-seater, the first ever independent show to do 10,000 seats. The first wrestling show in North America to do 10,000 seats that wasn't WWE since WCW died years ago. Yeah. Uh, So, the second all-in will be happening... um, in May, in Vegas, of all places, at the MGM Grand. So, that's pretty sweet. Um, now, this this is going to get dicey. 
So, all right. I'm excited for all elite wrestling. Yes. Can't wait. Yes. There's some, there's, there's one big name that I did not mention in all of this. No. Hulk Hogan. (laughs) I don't, let's not talk about Hulk Hogan, please. Um, Kenny Omega was not announced for all elite wrestling, despite being a founding member of the elite. Now, let me, let me, let me catch you up. Yes. Kenny Omega is contractually signed to NJPW until the end of January. NJPW previously had and has a affiliation with Ring of Honor here in, in America. They give code, they've done shows together yep. for years. The Elite, Cody, Bucks, Page, they were t- ROH talent that also worked New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah. Okay? Because of, because of the, their agreement. Kenny Omega is an NJPW guy, but he would do appearances for ROH. He obviously did appearances on being the elite on YouTube for the yep. elite. Um, and, well, all those other guys are no longer in ROH. They are starting a new company. And now, NJPW is put in kind of a weird spot. So, uh, MSG, Mad Square Garden, that show is coming up in March. Okay. That is a ROH NJPW show. They can't just brush off a partnership they've had for a long time to support these other guys who are, mind you, superior draws to anyone on ROH's roster right now. Yeah. They can't just break a partnership to go with them to share guys because just because. In my opinion, All Elite needs an NJPW affiliation to really cement how serious they are in my in my humble opinion yeah and in kenny omega as well um being intertwined in all this he can't be all elite and be njpw uh, as of right now yeah njpw doesn't want to get rid of roh they don't want to work with the they don't want to work with all elite as of now but our, our njpw however does really really want kenny around for the foreseeable future because they have msg coming up they have announced a very ambitious 2019 with international dates western expansion outside of japan that they really would like to have kenny omega on these shows because i'm sorry he moves the needle in the pro wrestling world maybe more than anybody else and i'm not just saying outside of wwe i'm saying period kenny is has really delivered in a big way the last couple of years. Yeah. And good for him putting himself in this position. Through no fault of his own, really, he's now in this weird position where he's kind of tearing, he's got companies vying for his services, and all he does is show up and put on classic, awesome matches and deliver. Yeah. Nice work if you can do it, right? He's going to be very well paid at the end of all this, but it's the question of where he goes is is up in the air. We, I don't know. I can't tell you where he's going to go. Yeah. I'm going to be happy if he stays in NJPW for the, for the foreseeable future. I'm going to be happy if he goes to All Elite Wrestling. But both also will make me sad as well. If he goes to ROH, or I'm sorry, <laughs> ROH, you're funny. If he goes to All Elite Wrestling, I will be upset that he will no longer be in NJPW because he has more to give there and the shows coming up need him. And I'm going to one of those shows and I really want to see him 
headline Madison Square Garden. And I think he he's he's great and he hit for the work he does, NJPW is like that's where he belongs. Yeah. If he stays in NJPW, hey, great. Everything I just said is going to happen, but no now he's not with the elite anymore. And this new promotion that really could use star power to drive their business forward and really present a viable alternative wrestling company to the world in 2019 because believe me we need it wwe needs the competition people need an alternative a quality alternative um they're not gonna have kenny and you know that's that that hurts them and as a group i like seeing those guys together they're they're fun together and it yeah you know so there's a lot there's a lot of things going on for all I know, New Japan might buckle and go with an all-elite partnership just to keep Kenny happy and around. They might have to if they want yeah. him that badly. Now, I should preface all this. This situation would be a lot more complicated if he retained the title at Wrestle Kingdom 13. Spoilers, Kenny lost. Mm. And that, obviously, yeah, I was very upset about it. But given everything I just told you about his situation, yeah. you can see why they were not going to let him keep the title. Yeah. So this whole situation is is very uh, crazy. It's a wild time to be a wrestling fan right now for reasons on the screen and off the screen. Do so you, there you go. Do you foresee if Ali can hit the ground running within the foreseeable future, Ali absorbing Ring of Honor or some of the other smaller brands? Uh, the only one that comes to mind is Impact. And here's a fun fun story for you. Impact Wrestling allegedly offered to sell themselves to All Elite a few weeks ago. And All Elite said, no, thank you. Oh, Because I'm- Impact has the TNA stink on it. That brand has been around for God, I can't I can't believe I'm saying it. it's been around longer than WCW was a thing. And it's always been kinda eh it had it had a brief flirtation with being quality a long time ago. Yeah. And since that point it's been mostly terrible. It's been mostly terrible throughout most of its history, but it's limped along somehow channel to channel through various rosters of various degrees of quality booking that has always been consistently pretty bad it's not a good company it's it has a it has a there's a there's a stigma to it so i don't blame all elite saying hey thanks but no thanks we're gonna go it alone and do our thing yeah impact though is in a bad spot right now they're they're being put onto a, a very low tier cable channel and this might be the death knell for them like officially don't know that they've survived before they might survive again again they've been they've been around a long time somehow but uh if all elite were to uh you know pick the carcass of impact brian cage pentagon phoenix johnny mundo tie of valkyrie and uh Lucha Underground. Un- they're Lucha Underground, but that Lucha Underground is probably not long for this world either. Mm. So, gotcha. uh, all those guys I just named, I would love to see them in all elite wrestling. Absolutely. Okay. So, yeah, man. Lots of fun stuff going on. Cool. Well, that... That's your wrestling catch-up for uh, <laughs> as of right now. That was our week's Dear Listener. If you'd like to tell us about your week, send us any questions or comments to the show, you can do so at the following locations. 
You can go to Twitter on and follow us at Devil's Due Pod. You can like our page on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash Devil's Due Pod. You can email us at the Devil's Due Pod at gmail.com, or you can find all these resources available to you on our website, the Devil's Due Podcast.com. Drew, that being said, we do have some questions. Well, all right. So uh, we will start out with, I guess you would say, friend of the show, uh, uh, Mrs. Julie Duty sent in. My, my well, wife, well, spoilers, well. my wife um, sent a question say, hey, Carl and Drew, I love listening to your show. Thank you very much, honey. Appreciate it. When are you going to have the wives be guests on the show? Um, speaking, well, I, 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 I mean, I'm not going to say I don't ever see it happening because that would be detrimental to me, you know, sleeping in my bed. <laughs> I th- and all joking aside, I think it would be cool at some point to have the wives on the show for an episode because they've both been extremely supportive and helpful in this endeavor. So um, it will happen at some point. We just don't quite know when that would be a satisfactory answer sure okay moving on along uh to mr cyrus moore greetings gentlemen glad you had a good holiday season i meant to email last week but with the holidays totally slipped my mind drew a couple episodes ago you graced us with a renovations update particularly with a door that you had installed but last week you left us hanging Uh uh-oh we are dying to know your current progress. Perhaps you've made oh. a lot of progress, and you're now three doors down. Oh, ew, ew, ew. Or perhaps it's overwhelming, and you find yourself muttering, the doors, the doors. I would never, I would never, either case, never, uh, not a fan of either of those. Uh, uh, things are where they were. Um, I've, I, we'll, we'll get there. Takes time. Takes little manpower takes a little patience that i'm currently lacking so <laughs> things are where they are hey we're down here right now that that's enough for now yep all right anyway the purpose of this email not so much a question but something i learned recently that applies to something you talked about in a previous episode a few weeks ago you talked about how media can cross-pollinate for instance something appearing in a game or tv show can sometimes appear in a comic or other media later I recently learned that Fantasy Flight Games, the creators of X-Wing and Armada, created a ship in their game solely for balance purposes. The Imperial Raider Corvette was created uh, as an answer to the Rebels' Corellian Corvette. Then later, that Imperial ship was used in the recent Star Wars Battlefront 2. Everything used in Battlefront 2 is considered Star Wars canon, so a tabletop game designer made a significant addition to the Star Wars universe. I find that fascinating. He is right. They um, When they were coming out with the for X-Wing, they had a version of play called Epic. So it's when they came out with like the, the Corellian Corvette, the ship that the Death Star is chasing in the beginning of the original Star Wars. Yes. They needed like an Imperial equivalent, and one had never really been seen on... Um, film or any of the comics or whatnot because star destroyer is too big mm-hmm. um so they needed kind of like that mid-range capital ship idea so lucasfilm created the imperial raider corvette to be a counter to that specifically for the x-wing game and then it got incorporated into the battlefront 2 game so yes that ship is now canon um it's a cool looking ship it looks like a speedier 
like sports car version of a Star Destroyer. So cool. I like it. It's cool. Um, so, Cyrus, thank you very much. We appreciate your emails as always. Now on to Mr. Alan Waiters. Alan sent an email but also asked a question earlier today. Um, let's see. Where is it here? Okay, yeah. So Alan pointed out today that it is the 20th anniversary of the show Batman Beyond, and he asked, Carl, do you think it was an underrated show because it came after the highly acclaimed uh, Batman the Animated Series? Um, I don't think it's necessarily an underrated show. I think it's kind of it's got its comfortable spot in the lexicon of the, the Bruce Tim Paul Dini animated series i think what kind of hurt the show is is one of the things that um batman is defined by is its villains and that you can't just do like a futuristic you know joker future two-face future penguin you have to come up with the new villains and they had a couple ones that were really interesting for but for the most part the villains were kind of lackluster and there was never really like a true like arch nemesis terry never had his joker like I'm so sure much they tried though, didn't so, they? so much so to the point that they had to bring back the original joker and which was actually a pretty cool uh animated movie yeah um but yeah i think uh, i enjoyed the show it's it, you know it's got like i said it's got its proper place in the the paul dini bruce tim universe so now on to Alan's email that he sent us. Carl and Drew, what are your predictions for the Nintendo Direct and other video games that will be coming out in 2019? Well, spe- uh, speaking specifically to the uh, Nintendo Direct, I would expect um, an Animal Crossing reveal of some kind. And God, they got they have to, have to show something of Metroid Prime. Do they, do they have to, Drew? I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't have to, but I mean, you know, we had a title screen. Like, <laughs> yeah, we had, we had a, a title logo. Screen. Give me, give me, give me something. Anything. Okay. I, I, I predict that I'll see something that I like because. Okay. On all the pri- on all the directs since the Switch came out, uh, save the one that was strictly a Smash Brothers direct. Um, there's always something in there that would be like, "Yeah, I'd get that. That looks cool. I'm down." So yeah, that's that's what I think. All right, Carl, do you feel like Bart when he sold his soul to Milled House for five dollars? Since Drew and I got you that awesome Christmas gift that is coming in <laughs> March. Um, no, I, I feel extremely grateful and, and humbled that you guys decided to give me such an awesome gift, but I by no means feel like I've sold my soul to you. Um, and what game did you spend the most money on besides Street Fighter at the arcades when you were a kid? What game ate the most of my tokens that wasn't Street Fighter? Because it's definitely Street Fighter. Um <sighs> You know, probably Smash TV. I mean, it, just because the was nature a of the game. Yeah, probably because I enjoyed the game, and yeah, that thing, that thing. It was designed to 
Yeah, 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 yeah it yeah. did well. I, I, I think I've said before on the show, I have the Midway Classics collection from PlayStation 2, which Smash TV is on it. My friend Jim and I played through once and calculate how much it would have cost to beat it, and it was like $75. <laughs> hey, that's so. about the cost of a game. So, yeah. you know, so but, there you, you know, go. in quarters, though, it's a little harder to... Yeah. Yeah. Drew, is it fair game to challenge people who wear a WWE championship belt at wrestling events or any other place? I mean, what's the point of wearing a championship belt if I can't challenge for it? I, I look, I, I see your point. Um, the only logic the only, is sound. It is, but, but keep in mind, the only uh, title that is defended 24-7 was the hardcore title. So if it's a world title, I don't know. Is it on the line? I mean, I guess you could you could issue a challenge, but then it's on the the onus is on the cha- hey, champion is champs advantage. He could turn down the challenge, right? Sure. So, but then I, he's like looked down upon. I mean, I guess those belts are expensive. I wouldn't want to lose it if I lost. Okay. I mean, haven't you lost a belt recently in like one of your concerts? This was years ago. And it was okay. it was a toy belt, but sure. <laughs> well, you still lost it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all fake, Carl. <laughs> if I lost it, I agreed to give it up. Well, yeah, could have. You know, maybe rematch, try and get it back. You know, I'll let you know when that happens. Okay. All right. So that does it for the emails. Uh, thank you, everyone, for submitting we appreciate it as always now on to the news which not a ton of stuff this week we only have two things really to talk about and they're uh they are like you know stuff we normally talk about but more in the drew averse well i mean i the, dropped all that duty all elite stuff on you there so yeah <laughs> well uh previously this week was the golden globes awards oh yeah 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 and during the broadcast uh hbo ran like a, a teaser for what is going to be coming for them this year. And one thing that uh, featured very heavily in the teaser was the Watchmen series. We got a look at um, Ozymand- Jeremy Irons as Ozymandias. Uh, we got a look at the yellow-faced police force, Yep, which I guess is actually what they're going to look like. Sure. Um, I thought it was just something for a special effect. Um, and then we got a look at... Rorschach? With uh, a question mark? Well, obviously, I mean, you know, spoilers, he's dead. Yes. Uh, so I don't know, but but you know what? I mean, look, if it's going to be a sequel to Watchmen, which that's the word, yep. uh, if his journal got out, I can easily see people taking up their own masks and taking to the streets in some form or fashion um, to, you know riot or seek out Ozymandias to uh, make him answer for his crimes against humanity. Uh, who knows? Almost like Rorschach becomes a martyr. Yeah, absolutely. Ways. Even though, you know, m- reminder folks, Rorschach's not exactly the character you should be looking up to. No, in. no, no. Um, but in the, in the name of air quotes, the truth. Yes. He he was the purveyor of truth. Okay. Um, t- till he died. Yes. So, till he got exploded. Anyway, uh, yeah, it looks, I mean, based on what little I saw, neat. 
Yeah. Um, um, again, I'm just as easily looking forward to hearing it more so than even seeing it yes. because of the uh, Trent Reznor Atticus Ross uh, situation. So, uh, but hey, cool, bring it on. I didn't. I I guess until I saw that footage, I didn't quite realize like, oh yeah, that that's gonna happen this year. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we are in 2019 now. It's so. we are in the future. Many many things that have been coming for some time are coming going, to fruition. Yes. Um, and then also we talked last week about a reported leaked rumored release date for, uh, Punisher season two. <laughs> and look, we were right. Kind of. I mean, yes. Punisher season two is coming out on January 18th and we got some more vignette teasers of what to expect. And we got our first look at jigsaw what they're calling jigsaw i I, mean i'm just gonna let you go sir look i i would i prefer he looked like the comic version yes they are downplaying the physical scars uh heavily which is funny considering they made a really big point of frank smashing the bejesus out of his face in the end of the season one but i guess you know he got better most mostly better and Plastic now, surgeries come a long way. I guess so. And uh, they're selling the mental scars of Jigsaw. Mm. So he's kind of a fractured personality now. Oh, I see what they're doing yeah. there. Hey, cool. What? Let me see what you got. What, if any, hopes do you have for this season of Punisher? Because I think as you get further and further away from the first season of the Punisher, I've noticed you're less and less inclined to like it. Again, I, I it was it was okay, but the version of the character that I want to see is I don't think I'm going to get. And if there is, you know, you can tell me up up and down that well, you know, for a TV show, it's got to be yeah, this yeah. way. Uh, fine. I guess, but that's just not the way I want. That's just not what I want. And, you know, I see them dragging it. Like they're, they're selling it like, oh, he's burning his pardon and he's, they're dragging him back out of whatever and he's going to yeah. be who he's got to be. My thought is, he was already that way at the end of Daredevil Season 2. And then yep. you wasted time for a year, like, getting him back there. Yeah. <laughs> What's the point? Now you're going to have him be like the, the you know, cold stone, stone Cold Killer version of the character you had a whole season prior to do that all right sure show me what you got go punish some people i mean i mean we'll see what it is we don't don't have to worry about doing the episode by episode breakdown but we are going to review the this season as a whole um should be an interesting experience for us so uh that being said i think that's pretty much it for the news unless you have anything else sir um, I don't, I don't, I, again, I have been so dialed into wrestling. That's really all I, all I've got for you. And yeah. I gave you everything I know. <laughs> and Spider-Man. So. And I've been playing Spider-Man. Lots, but me too. Lots it's, Spider-Man. it's a great game. Recommend it to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. All right. Uh, let's get to our interview with Mr. Dan Larson. All right, folks. We are here once again with the amazing Dan Larson, who has so generously decided to come back on the show. Dan, welcome back to the courthouse as it is for right now. 
Thanks again for having me, guys. No problems. Great to have you back. Uh, we're really excited about this, uh, that you agreed to do this because uh, Drew and I were talking, like I saw the, an old back of a G.I. Joe card. I can't remember which one it was. And I said to Drew, like, man, this might have been the best wave of G.I. Joe. And then he went on yojo.com, which is kind of where we were drawing from for this stuff, to find where you know what specifically that wave was and it turns out it wasn't the exact wave that was on the back of the card but we'll get to that later uh let's sure catch up, let's catch up with you sir how are things in the toy galaxy we've been watching we've been loving um you guys have been having some great success how are things you know i don't remember exactly where we were at uh, last time i spoke with you but uh literally literally before i uh, hopped on this uh, call with you guys uh, i submitted my redemption code for our uh, silver play button from youtube so <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> fancy fancy that's, that's, <laughs> that's our plaque that's our recognition award for hitting 100,000 subscribers which uh which we crossed that threshold very recently here nice little uh, end of 2018 merry christmas present for us that's awesome man congratulations Thank you very much. Yeah, it. Uh, you know, it. Wait, what does that number really mean? Ultimately, it's you know, it's just a number. Nothing changed when we hit it. You know, it didn't suddenly move yeah. us to the top of all the algorithms or anything. But for us, it was a personal goal that we had set out to achieve when we started the channel three and a half years ago. So it was it was a pretty it was a pretty great moment of satisfaction for both Greg and I to finally hit that number and see it, it roll over to 100k, uh, and to know that we were going to get a little plaque out of it. <laughs> nice. Now, do you find when you're jumping up in subscribers like that that you are saying, okay, what can we do to kind of keep it fresh and new and keep the new people coming and keep the the tried and true satisfied, or are you just kind of like staying the course? No, it's absolutely a case of both of those things. It is part, you know, Greg and I uh, try to push each other creatively as much as possible, and we both get bored if we keep doing the same thing for too long. So part of it is, how do we keep it interesting for us? You know, how, how do I how do I find new things to talk about, new th- new ways to present the information? How can he keep his graphics fresh? He he is he is uh, obsessed with making sure that our thumbnails are always you know uh, consistent with e- with each other. But then he also likes to keep them fresh, you know, keep them new and on trend, as they say. Uh, so he is constantly revisiting the look of the show, the feel of the show, the design of the show. I'm constantly revisiting how I present that information, how I engage the viewers. On the other side of that, yeah, we're paying attention to what the viewers, you know, seem to, to want. And, you know, uh, if, if you sense sort of a, a push towards more of a sort of pop culture umbrella sort of look at things as opposed to just a specifically fixated on action figures kind of thing, it's it's not an accident. <laughs> it is it is happening uh, because that's what the audience is responding to. And we'd be dumb not to respond to that. Well, we understand that. Like, you know, you, you have a, a specialty, but obviously the specialty that we all happen to be in casts a pretty wide net that you know you can easily en- engage in other discussions that definitely surround the core thing absolutely and and i try to keep that in mind like uh we we put up a video that was about uh, uh selling your collection uh and actually a lot of videos uh, that have been sort of me uh speaking uh you know from the heart about what it means to be a collector and how that can positively or negatively impact you know your finances your life your relationships all that stuff and, and when we put those videos out, we try to have those appeal to anybody who collects anything uh, or, or maybe even just somebody who might have an addiction that they're dealing with. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you might watch it and say, 
hey, Dan's really talking to me about my toy collection or my comic book collection, but you might share it with somebody who's, you know, got, uh, I don't know, a shoe collection, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's the, the addictions come in many shapes and forms, especially when it comes to plastic and paper. Yeah, I'm onto vinyl now, so that's a real uh, pricey Pricey, there you go. Yeah, it, you know, I'm I'm not uh, proud of it, but I am. So you know, do you think you've spent more you on? I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dan. Let, let me ask you this about collecting vinyl. Is sure. it the same as toys? Like uh, recently, you know, uh, Hasbro started reissuing a lot of the G1 designs in repro, you know, G1 packaging and everything. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but notice that when I go to some of these, you know, hip collector shops and stuff. There's a lot of reissue vinyl. Where, oh, where yeah. do you come down on that? Um, I'm if the original pressings are really hard to get and exorbitantly priced, I'm very okay with uh, a new, fresh Magic remaster that I can get for thirty to forty dollars. Case in point, um, like on Record Store Day uh, on Black Friday, which is not actually Record Store Day; it's kind of a mini one. But anyway. Uh, Typo Negative, um, who is no longer a band, obviously, but uh, they reissued uh, their Bloody Kisses album on vinyl. Original pressings of that go for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. So I scooped one up for forty bucks, and hey, I'm I'm very okay with that. <laughs> and so you keep that in your collection, knowing like, all right, if I get the opportunity to buy the real thing, I'm going to get it. But for now, this is a placeholder. <laughs> um. I'll- me personally, no. I, I, I'll, I'll never take that, that big uh, investment plunge. If I can get a nice okay. pressing at a reasonable cost, I, I, I want to listen to them, honestly. So to me, if I can get the $40 pressing that sounds great and it's you know new and, and, and sturdy and looks and sounds great, I'm more than content with that. All right. All right. Cool. <laughs> if originals can be had at a modest price, I'm okay with that, too. Drew, do you think you've spent more on your vinyl collection than I have spent on X-Wing? I have a number in my head. I'm not going to tell you what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Dan, have you ever familiarized yourself with the X-Wing miniatures combat game? Uh, I'm familiar with it. I've never had the opportunity to play it. Uh, I I was very close. That's because uh, that's like all the diecast ships and stuff, right? No, they're they're like, plastic, but they're remarkably well detailed and pre painted models that you get. I probably I think I just assumed they were metal because so many of gaming miniatures are you know pewter or diecast or whatever. Yeah. But that's that's a rabbit hole I could have fallen down. Uh, not even being interested in the game because I saw the different scales of the ships and the ease of, the ease of building a whole fleet, uh, and just had to say I can't even I yeah. can't even go there. Yeah, I, I I warned him and he he dove in anyway. <laughs> and I'm happy I dove in. I know you are. That game is crazy fun. <laughs> so we we find ourselves in in an interesting position here, Dan, in that we're finding having addressing the possibility of rebooting and rebranding our own show because of recent developments in the the Marvel Netflix universe, and you did a great video uh, kind of highlighting those developments. So uh, for people who may not have had a chance to see the video, but definitely folks go watch the video. it's it's top quality top shelf stuff um can you give us kind of like a summary of your thoughts on what's happened recently in the marvel netflix verse well so obviously what you're referring to is the fact that uh, daredevil uh has been canceled yeah <laughs> uh, poor matt didn't as, see as it have, coming 
as have almost all of the Netflix shows. I think the only ones who haven't officially been canceled yet are Jessica Jones and Punisher, I believe. Yeah, and they just announced the Punisher season two yeah. date, and I'm waiting. I'm waiting for like the three days after the the premiere that they say, okay, it's canceled. Yeah, because that's happening. It's oh, of course it is. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, it makes sense that uh, a show that uh, centers around the exploits of Daredevil, especially their their most mainstream product, is probably going to need some rebranding. But I would caution you to give it a beat because I saw Vincent D'Onofrio on Twitter the other day pushing the Save Daredevil campaign. So wait to see how that plays out before you do anything drastic. I would listen to Vincent D'Onofrio. I'm just saying. I mean, I if he's got an SUV handy, I will listen to him too, no matter what he says. <laughs> keep your head on yeah it. so I, there's a campaign out there but i'm sure it's like most you know online yeah. uh, uh petition based campaigns to release the snyder cut or make oh, force <laughs> awaken not canon you know <laughs> yeah just yeah those that's not gonna happen <laughs> yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't hang i wouldn't hang your uh your whole career on it or anything but uh yeah so uh, i would i would expect that you are gonna be having to to rebrand that are you thinking just uh general pop culture is there something else niche there that you you were interested in focusing on just comics or what we well, haven't had that long yeah. form discussion yet but i mean our show centers it's centered on daredevil but i mean we do so much pop cultural stuff i don't know that we need to revamp too much yeah like the obviously the the show reviews would see sets and we're probably gonna discontinue those after we finish the current season of daredevil um and then just kind of do review like punisher season two as a whole uh drew's not very hopeful going in right now i have thoughts uh, but <laughs> but um but yeah but as far as our we're pretty comfortable with what our voice is and what our style is so that's not going to need too much tinkering just kind of more the brand and the name things like that that we're gonna have to approach sure sure it's more about how you fit into those uh the keyword searches and algorithmic pushes <laughs> exactly we got to get the system to work for us <laughs> exactly there you go <laughs> but we're gonna be okay yeah. but uh what did you what did you think about daredevil season three uh i enjoyed it um the I, I assume we're going we're going all spoilers we're talking about it in detail here yeah um fire from, away from episode one from minute one episode one the question was always hanging out there are they gonna do the death of karen page like uh -huh. are they gonna do yeah. they, they they introduced her as a main character very early on and that was always hanging over it for me and i i always tried very hard not to read any spoilers not to to, to look at online discussions or anything. I didn't want to see leaked scripts or anything like that. I just wanted to watch the show. And so I watched every single episode with a little bit of anxiety, like, oh my gosh, is this going to be the episode? And I thought for sure, heading into season three, that that was going to be, especially they're bringing in Bullseye, and that was going to be the season where we were going to finally address it. Uh, and then I read somewhere that she was going to be in season two of Punisher, and I was like, well... <laughs> <laughs> yes, so much not. for that. They did a good job of head faking you on it, because they... They set it up exactly how it happened in the comics. And right right until, I'm not sure if you ever read the Guardian Devil line where that happened. Um, it, it was in the church. It was exactly what Bullseye did right up until the moment where the priest stepped in front of her. Everything played out exactly how it happened in the comics. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I definitely read the comics, and that's that's why I, what had me on the edge of my seat the whole time. Now, I will also say that I don't think 
you need to have read the comics to still have been, you know, yeah. involved in the tension of those moments and, and to be engaged by those characters. Um, I, more and more, you know, with every additional comic based property that comes out, I, I, I'm less concerned about like, Oh my gosh, is this true to the comics? What happened in the comics? Because they just exist as separate entities. And I don't really care if, you know, if, if people who saw more people are going to watch Daredevil than read those comics. And if they don't know what happened in the comics or how it played out there, it doesn't really matter. Anymore. I mostly agree, but I also think that uh, it's less of a concern because I, whoever's making this stuff, at least in the case of Marvel, they're making it for a bigger audience, but they're really respecting the material for the fans. And they're, if they, the spirit of the thing is really kept intact. So like in Daredevil's case, Yes, it's different, but man, did they really get the feel and the beats right? As speaking as a fan, like I have no complaints. Oh sure, I I was looking at something on uh, online the other day, and I saw somebody talking about Daredevil season three, uh, and and the complaint was, oh, you know what? Actually, it might have been it might have been in the comments for our video uh, about the Netflix Disney uh, Civil War. There, um, it was somebody was complaining that. Uh, when their problem with the uh, with the Netflix productions and those characters was that they all they wanted to see on screen was the hero. The show's called Daredevil. I don't want to see Karen Page and Foggy Nelson and all these other characters. Like <laughs> all I want to see on screen is Daredevil, what he's doing. And I'm like, that's going to be the most boring show ever. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. like, what? Like even the Punisher. Like I-, I don't know how you could watch you know 13 episodes of just that dude on screen all the time. Like. You're going to have to fill a lot of time with him doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> Basically, and not to mention, like, the, the, the heart of, of Daredevil was, like, the supporting cast, honestly. Oh, 100%. And it's, you can't get away from it in, in superhero stories. Like, you, you don't make the Superman movie without, you know, Jimmy and Lois and, you know, sure. all this stuff and Ma, uh, Kent. Like, you just, it, you, no story like that can be told just on that one character alone. You got to build it out. You got to have some tension. You got to have some drama and some other storylines to pick from, you know, episode to episode. Otherwise, yeah, you're going to be left with three episodes of just daredevil and kingpin it's not very interesting at the end of the day i i loved how season three brought it all back and closed it off with you know the law firm of nelson murdoch and page i thought that was perfect now as a fan let me ask you this did you at any point in the season in addition to the karen page situation did you think that this would also be the season where spoilers for those who do not read daredevil for the last 30 years uh did you think his identity would be outed? Um, I figured, you know, I, I don't know how long the writers thought that they were actually going to, how long this run was actually going to be. I, I mentioned in the video and I, I read on various articles that they thought for sure they had at least four seasons. They were planning for five. At, at nothing else, they had another three season arc ready to go. <sighs> so it's like how many of those beats were they planning to get in this first three season run? There's, you know, if you pick those top five, top 10 all time daredevil beats, those, those classic, whether it's Frank Miller or, you know, whatever those classic daredevil stories are, you know, how many of those moments are you going to try to work in and how many of them work organically with what they were trying to thread that overall narrative as, um, I'm not surprised that they put, uh, the, you know, his revealing his secret identity out there. Um, or I wouldn't have been surprised if they had, I wouldn't have been surprised if they hadn't either way, it would have worked fine. Uh, as long as none of it felt, you know, as long as it felt organic to where the characters were going. Yeah. Cool. I, I, there was a fake out moment with 
I felt in the the one episode that we recently reviewed where uh, Karen was put in the position where she would have to reveal Matt's identity to her editor. And I thought that is an interesting way to go about doing it in a, in a, in a classier way that maybe then Frank Miller handled it back in the 80s. But I thought for, for sure. sure that that might be uh, the moment. But they didn't do it. So now they never will. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, I was uh, particularly... Uh, enjoyed, um, and I don't remember the actor's name off the top of my head, the guy who played Bullseye. Yeah. Uh, he was just fantastic. And I, I had seen a, a bit that talked about the fact that he was one of the finalists to play Captain America in the MCU. Oh, my God. And the whole time... Yeah, and I read that before I saw... I, before I started watching season three, and I couldn't get that out of my head the entire time I was watching it. And I was like, oh, man, he's like simultaneously, you know, Bullseye, but he's also like psycho Captain America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's a little more John Walker. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And I and I, you know, I was feeling bad for him because I'm like, oh man, you know, they they give him this great character to work with, and oh. he really does the, the just the paranoia and the intensity, and you know, they get him in this right position. They even you know tease at the end, putting in the you know the reinforced spine and yeah. bone structure and all that stuff, just to be like, okay, yeah, it's canceled. You don't I, have to play uh, it anymore, and it's like, well, you had your shot to play a superhero character, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm bummed that we're not going to get any incarnation of a, a bullseye costume, but well, you got uh, a baseball cap. We did get the tough. baseball cap. That's always tough. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do with that costume? You know, I mean, even if you, just just a mask, just a black mask with the bullseye on the forehead, I would have been happy. But I guess it will. Yeah. It's yeah. not to be. I appreciated that they had the ball cap. Yeah, and the you know just sort of references to that sort of bullseye sort of symbol. Um, just a lot of great character things. And at, at this point with the, the interpretations of, you know, cinematic characters versus comic book characters, you know, 95% of those comic book costumes that are out there, just, I get it. I get why they don't translate them directly to the screen because they would be ridiculous. You know, there, there are a few that I feel like we got to give another shot. We got to give Superman another shot. I didn't love that super suit. It was, it was fine, but I'd love to see another shot, you know, just a little bit close to the comic stuff, but you know, the daredevil suit looked good. Yeah. Kingpin looked amazing. Yeah, I just don't bullseye costume works. <laughs> it not maybe not in full, but again, just a mask. I, I can get behind it. Yeah. Sure, I can sure. see how they on that. Okay, so like if he had just if he had just if he had just, just taken that bullseye, uh, the daredevil suit that he had, spray painted the whole thing black, and like you know, taken the horns off the helmet, you know, then maybe that's a passable bullseye. Now suit. you're talking. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. See. They should have just hired Dan to write it. Available. <laughs> <laughs> so let us uh, move on from Hell's Kitchen hero to a real American hero. Yes. Um, Big we, way. We here, yeah, perfect, smoothly done, I may say so myself. Um, we here, uh, Drew, much more than I, is a huge fan of classic 80s G.I. Joe. I'm a fan of it, too. I'm more of a Transformers fan um, but I love G.I. Joe just as much. And, Dan, you are a huge fan as well. And as I mentioned earlier, Drew and I had a conversation. I was like, well, what if we kind of did a list? And then I thought, we got to get Dan back for this list. So what we're going to do now here, folks, is we're going to do our top three waves of G.I. Joe figures with the bet with our what we think our best and worst figure from each wave is so when i say wave of figure i mean a group a line 
of figures that's released all in one chunk. Would you say that's the best way to describe a wave, Dan? Yeah, oh, sure, yeah. For, for G.I. Joe, it's definitely uh, by year. And, and I did the same thing you did. I went straight to yojo.com, pulled up individual years. Uh, you know, we're just talking about that initial run through, like, I think it's through 94. Yep. Um, and uh, just took a look at the waves to see what figures were released in those particular batches there. So just a full disclosure, uh, I, I, I got the lines crossed a little bit. Uh, so I didn't pick a worst uh, in these waves, but I do have a top three per year, so we can we can indulge the conversation a bit. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so Dan, you are our guest. I, we'll just kind of go around. I'll do our threes and then twos, ones, etc. Uh, Dan, you're you're the guest in the courthouse. Why don't you start us off with your third best wave? So third best, I'm going to go with 1986. And by the way, I'm going to I'm going to preface all of this by saying this might be the most anticlimactic thing because we may very well all have the same exact three waves here. So, <laughs> well, it's quite possible. It's very possible. So for me, uh, for me, I'm going to go 1986 as number three. Um, I I also wasn't uh, really paying attention on a worst, but I can easily pick out a worst <laughs> right now. Uh, it's uh, it's a strong wave. Um, there's a lot of stuff I didn't get out of this wave. I was never a, I never completed uh, lines. You know, at that age, it was really just about you're lucky if you get more than four or five figures, figures, figures per wave. Uh, so for me, even in you know 1986, I was 10 in 1986. Uh, at best, I had you know six <laughs> of these guys. Uh, but for me, by far, the one that I would want the least out of that entire year's worth of figures. Uh, would be Doctor Mindbender. I don't care what role he played on the show. <laughs> As I, I'm, st- I'm yeah, yeah, I have the the figures up right now, so we can get a good visual. Yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, it's you know, <clears throat> there's some outlandish costumes all over that line, and that's fine. You know, he is he's actually more clothed than say Quick Kick. You know, yes. uh, but Quick Kick works a little bit better for me. Uh, Doctor Mindbender, the monocle plus the mustache. The gloves with the cape, and then he's bare chested. Yeah, that that one never worked for me. That was and, never on my list. I've got to have steel suspenders. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, I believe that he was crazy and crazy enough to work with Cobra and, and develop all those monsters and weapons and stuff. Sure, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, not a not a figure I needed to have. Uh, and then as far as a best out of that wave, uh, I would have to go with uh, the Battle Android Trooper. Nice. Um, loved Beachhead, Dial Tone, Sci-Fi, uh, Lifeline, all those guys. But uh, definitely the Battle Android Troopers. You throw that lenticular uh, mechanical guts on his chest, interchangeable arms, robots, army build them. You got me. It's old. All nice. right. All right. All right, Drew, you're you're number three. Okay, I didn't necessarily rank these, but I would. Uh, I'm again, like coming back to the anti climax here. Um, I think my number three though might be, and let me just click it to make sure I'm confident in this decision. Uh, Eighty four is my number three. Okay, so and that's going to be, um, you know, your Baroness, your Duke, your Firefly. Now, granted, those are all great memorable landmark figures but i just think as a wave as a whole it is my third favorite wave okay do you have a best and worst character best worst like i said i had a uh, i did a top three so if we're talking 84 we're talking about zartan we're talking about firefly and my favorite preferred version of the character the hooded cobra commander and they are my top three figures. Never on, I was never on board with the hood. Oh, I love, I just, it looks so cool and it's so impossible to pull off in real life. 
but as a comic book visual, it just I I love it. It's great. Um, but yeah, I mean, talk about major landmark characters all coming in at the same time. That I mean, it's it's all right there. Uh, worst looking at this boy. Hmm. Um, scrap iron maybe. He kind of looks a little little clunky next to a lot of the other guys. He had a you he had a sweet accessory though. Dude, dude brought a, a very big, you know, knife to a, a rock fight. True, he had a missile launcher. Yeah. He's like, I don't need a, a gun. I'm just going to rock this, you know, missile launcher. Then again, there's also a case to be made for um, basically unusable deep six. Yeah, yeah. Cool in the cartoon, but the toy, mm, not so much. Yeah, that's my number three. Well, he here. had the the diving gimmick, didn't he? He did. Okay. Yes, one one of the few characters who had a built-in gimmick, but in his case, unlike a character like Zartan, he he suffered from his gimmick. Yes, yeah. All he, the memory serves, all he could move was his arms. Yep. All right, that's correct. Okay, so my number three, the my I think of my three selections, my number three will probably be the most controversial. Mm. My number three is Wave One, nineteen eighty-two. Man, okay. Um, just kind of the one that started it all. My best figure from the line is the Cobra officer. Mm. Just it's, I've always found it to be like a very striking design, especially when you set it against the background of all the other figures that came out in that wave. Um, just very, I like the black or the, the black and the blue with the silver Cobra. Um, my worst figure from the line, and this is probably going to be heresy, but I got to go with Snake Eyes. Oh, you bite your tongue. I'm sorry. There's just like the character, the future versions of the character were so much better, but this initial version and Dan, I saw, I saw one of your videos on this where you mentioned like there's a certain level of genius and just kind of putting an unpainted character out there. (laughs) And I'm not going to argue with that, but at the same time, I kind of like just a little something to accent the the design of the character because like when you when you look at him against the backdrop of the other characters that were released in that wave he looks unfinished so i'll be honest i until until i was uh uh, an adult collector uh it never occurred to me that he was unpainted like that was just (laughs) never something that crossed my mind as a kid uh i found that out later in life and i was you know like huh yeah, no, that makes business sense, and it makes you know it makes total <laughs> sense when I look at it. I agree with you. Uh, that said, you know, later versions of that mold would be released in different lines years and years later, the swivel arm versions and stuff. But it's that same mold, and they would add paint to it, different color treatments and stuff, and it just never looked right to me. You know, yeah, you're you're totally correct. His buckles should be painted. His you know something there should have look just the the snaps on his buttons or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I can't see it as anything other than what it is. Uh, and for my for for my money, I mean, uh, eighty two didn't make my list, uh, but you can you can stick short fuse, <laughs> like put him in a trash can. I don't care. I don't need that guy. <laughs> poor, poor grunt was just used as an army builder. I'm not gonna lie. I'm looking at it right now, and you said short fuse, and I just said which one is short fuse because that yeah, exactly. wave one is just so generic. But I, think but I, I do. I, like you said, I I give it credit for being the thing that started it. Yeah, and it's not just as it's the wave where it was closest to like for lack of a better term real military. Absolutely. Yep. 
yep, it was less. It was less about the sort of colorful designs uh, of the characters and the very strange uh, specializations, <laughs> you know. Uh, more so about the specific, like let's let's cartoonify, you know, the yeah. military. It, when it gets to like you know the late eighties, early nineties, where all neon everywhere is the eye can see. Sure, sure, sure. Actually, that reminds me. I did written, have written here an honorable mention for my list is Wave Twelve from nineteen ninety three, solely for the inclusion of Street Fighter Two. <laughs> I did not include Street Fighter in my list, so sorry, man. Did I? Okay, so Dan, your uh, number two. Uh, my number two is going to be 1984. Um, it's uh, just just mentioned as uh, previously. I Carl or Drew? I'm not sure which one Drew, you mentioned me. it. Yep. Drew mentioned it. Okay, so I'm going to go 84 as my number two. Uh, basically, what I did to determine uh, what I thought the best list were was I just took all of those years, probably stopped around like 88 because after that, none of it mattered. Uh, and I just, <laughs> he's not I wrong, folks. Of, you know, he's like, not wrong. A, a, quick, a quick batch of like, okay, these are really good figures from this wave. And then I just stacked them up and said, who's got the most good figures, you know? And so 1984 for me uh, came in second. Uh, bottom bo- bottom of the barrel for me, it's either going to be Hooded Cobra Commander or Deep Six. Uh, Deep Six for functionality and Hooded Cobra Commander because just, man, I love that mirrored faceplate. For as much <laughs> as you like the hood, I prefer the mirrored faceplate. And, and for me, it was, uh, growing up, it was, we... Uh, my brother and I never got the regular Cobra Commander. We kind of got in just a, like half a year too late, and we never actually tracked down the original Cobra Commander. So we got the mail-away hooded Cobra Commander, and it was like, you know, my, my parents surprised us with it. It was like, oh, look, what came in the mail today? And we were like, oh, cool. Who's this? What is this? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you take his head off. You take his head off, and he looks like a ghost from Pac-Man, you know? <laughs> it's like, <"Go> <laughs> uh, So he's probably at my at the bottom of my list there. Uh, at the top, it's Storm Shadow. It's Storm Shadow all day. Wow. And as as much as I am disappointed that the line eventually turns into Cobra Ninjas versus GI Joe Ninjas, uh, there are very few figures in my lifetime that have been so so mesmerizingly, amazingly, just like satisfying to to acquire than Storm Shadow. It was the immediate status within your friends community, but it was also just an amazing <laughs> action figure, like anything else you owned. See for me, uh, but the status and the and the instant impact, it's got to be Firefly, and from that from that year that is. And you're right, and that's exactly how it was. That some of the guys, some of the kids got Storm Shadow, some of the kids got Firefly, but it was the same reaction. That urban camo, it's something because there's something yep. about it. All right. Well, it's the it's the masked man. You know, the oh, all you yeah. can see are the eye. Anybody can be in that suit, you know, that sort of thing. I, I think also Storm Shadow's accessories set him apart from the rest of the line up to that point as well. Because he just had, he came with so much stuff. And it was all very his stuff. Yeah. Nothing superfluous. And it was the little things like the fact that you could put his swords in his backpack. Yeah. Was just so awesome. Well, and, and that was uh, around the time that Ninja's... Were, were hot. Yeah. It was the hot thing to find, <laughs> and everybody wanted to start cashing on that ninja thing. Uh, I don't know if either of you are familiar with Migo's Eagle Force line, which was hitting about the same time as G.I. Joe initially, 82, 83. Those are the like three-inch tall, five points of articulation. They were die-cast metal figures. Whoa. Vaguely. They, they had uh, who was blue. His name was Savitar, 
And I remember I got Storm Shadow and my best friend got Savitar and we were both like, ah, who's got the better figure? It's hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, Drew, your, your second best wave? Second best wave. Um, well, I threw 84 under the bus there. So it's going to come down to what I'm going to refer well, to as... Well, 84 was your third best. That's right. I'm sorry. So my second best, it's going to come down to one of the... Others in what I'm going to call the Holy Trilogy. My second best, uh, it's going to be 1986. Again, we're not. We're all kind of in the same ballpark. I yeah. feel uh, 86, and uh, my favorite figures there are going to be the Battle Android Trooper, uh, the regular stock Cobra Viper. I think is an awesome, awesome figure. He had a cool gun. The colors popped, and I love the the helmet and the faceplate on this figure more so on, than on Cobra Commander. Um, the Cobra Viper is just a classic design that rules hard. And from the Joe's perspective, because I'm always going to pick the, the Cobra designs. Like a nine, If you look at my list, it's mostly Cobra guys because they just look so yeah. cool. <laughs> but uh, one of the best Joe designs is in this year, and that is Low Light. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, the G.I. Joe sniper. With he the- looks so cool. <laughs> He had like a, I don't want to say like twisted episode of the show, but he had like a really psychological episode of the show, if memory serves, where he like dealing with his past and not sleeping and nightmares. And that sounds right. Any recollections, Dan? Yeah, that was that was that was kind of his thing. Was that he just he wasn't he he didn't sleep <laughs> like. <laughs> As he was sort of the always on guard, always you know watching. Everybody else is asleep, and he's on post. You know, huh? Always like that figure. Yeah, it's a sweet looking figure. So my it's funny because it always comes down to you know your favorites, the ones that really stand out for you, and you would describe your favorite the same way I would describe my favorite, and it really comes down to which one did you own? <laughs> I, I to be honest, I had a lot of these. Sad story. I had like probably hundreds of gi joes and they were all stolen from me by a former much former uh friend back in my in my youth so yeah i never saw him again but 86 man what a year sci-fi yeah. with the green with the green co- oh, the, the, what huge year huge year so my second favorite wave is wave three 1984 so Dan and I are kind of on the same page there. Um, I also have a side note here that I felt this was the best wave for vehicles as well. Because you got the Cobra Rattler. You've got the 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 vehicle that Deep Six came with. Uh, the Sea Shark, was it? I believe it was the Sea Shark, yeah. Something. The, the Flying yep. Submarine Shark. shark. Yep. Yeah, Shark. You had the, the Whale. G.I. Joe Hovercraft. Oh, yeah, the, Hovercraft. Yeah, the Cobra Water Moccasin, which I just thought was fantastic. I actually preferred that over the whale. Um, yeah, I think it was just kind of like the best vehicle wave. So I actually did. Well, yeah, what, the, rat, the Rattler hits in that wave, and the Rattler is just a, just a signature yeah. piece. Just amazing. When... So, uh, part, sorry, I'm sorry. To, no, just, go ahead. Go ahead. I squash a beef between Carl and I, Dan. The better plane... The Rattler or the Night Raven? Oh, the Rattler. It's not even a question. Uh, yeah, see? Told you. 
Y'all need more stealth you can't, in your life. You can't, you can't deny that firepower. Look, I love them both. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a jet guy, too. I'm an airplane nut. Uh, I love going to air shows. I've you know got all the names and visuals and all that stuff memorized. Uh, my father was in the Navy. Uh, he was a... Uh, with uh, VF-41, the Black Aces, F-14s wow. at the time that, you know, Top Gun was coming out and uh, the Sky Striker was big, all that stuff. Yeah. I grew up in that stuff. And uh, as much as I love that Night Raven, you, uh, you can't beat the the vertical takeoff capability of the Rattler mm-hmm. and all that firepower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look at, look at the Night Raven. Although it's drone, it could drone shoot. is cool. <laughs> the drone was cool. I played with the drone a lot. I played with the drone more than I played with the Night Raven. But what could the Night Raven do, Drew? It could shoot backwards. But it looks so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really cool. And then uh, they chromed it out for some force. Yeah. So my... I actually did two for these, because like when I was picking my best, I only picked figures that were released on card. I didn't consider any like the vehicle drivers or whatnot. So I actually did two for these. For I did a best vehicle figure and a worst vehicle figure. Worst vehicle figure, obviously, Deep Six. For all the reasons we mentioned, I always kind of used him as the Joe weapons tester in that they would <laughs> shoot at him wow. to test the weapons because it looked kind of like a suit of armor. Uh, the best vehicle driver was Wild Weasel. Just like looked so cool. Um, like the maps on the legs and the just the color dynamic of him, the way his helmet was done. I just I love Pilots and uh, yeah, Wild Weasel is amazing. Strato Viper, not from uh, obviously not from '84, but Strato Viper is another one of my just all time favorite figures. Yeah, um, but Night Raven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as as far as the carded figures go, uh, my worst figure was Blowtorch, just because like unless he's standing in the middle of a fire, what is he camouflaged from? Just like look at that dude. He's like he he screams, "Shoot here, right here!" This bright orange and red thing. Like, yeah, he was he was a yeah, nine in the jungle for several reasons. Yeah, exactly. He was a '90s GI Joe figure before the '90s hit. Uh, my best figure from the line was Storm Shadow for for all the reasons that snake eyes was my worst figure of the launch line storm shadow is the best figure like he's minimalistic but just enough to kind of set him apart and what sets him apart really works well all right so well, i will not begrudge you okay all right i appreciate that so okay dan number one best wave what is yours? Sir? All right. So it's uh, ultimately it's really G.I. Joe is defined by that three year period, 84, 85, 86. So uh, 85 is going to be my number one here. Just stacked with uh, really fantastic figures. It's the one that really just sets sets the line for the rest of its run. Um, and uh, at the bottom of that stack of figures, uh, such a such a good uh, the, all the dreadnoughts are in. Well, the initial dreadnoughts are in there. Um, but, uh, I would probably have to put, uh, I would probably have to put the televipers at the bottom. Yeah. I mean, when you look at them offset from a lot of the, the rest of the line, they do seem kind of bland. Yeah. I never, I never got into them communications guys. And that's, you know, that's admitting that there's a dude in that wave, you know, that looked james hatfield and you know he's wearing a leather vest and and that sort of thing and and i still put the televipers below that uh best obviously <laughs> this is a uh, no surprise to anybody it's version two snake eyes um 
Now, we're just talking about Snake Eyes needing more paint apps. This one doesn't have much more paint on it than the first one. <laughs> he doesn't, uh, but the accents, like, he's got the paint in the right spots. Right, right. And it uh, to me, I get that that sort of, uh, again, pushes it more in that ninja direction. Um, but that's not a ninja costume. You know, Storm Shadow's got a ninja costume. That costume that Snake Eyes is wearing there, that wasn't considered ninja until later on when the whole ninja thing sort of got set in and it was like that became associated with his ninja turn um that's still like i don't even know what that is uh, medieval combat i don't know what to call that <laughs> it's just it's just beautiful and it was just like storm shadow the year before it was this thing that just like captivated me to the point where i was just like I don't know. I can't even express like it was just such an amazing look and, a, and an inspirational thing that you just he comes with a sword and he's got a arrow launcher on his wrist and a wolf and a machine gun. What is he? What is this thing supposed to be like? It, it just it was marketed to me directly and it it sang. It was just perfect. He's he's really covering every possible combat situation he can encounter and from, looking cool he, doing it. <laughs> ready to go he's got pockets everywhere i mean talk about being ahead of his time this is long before rob liefeld ever <laughs> you know uh, applied pouches to everything he's got pouches on his ankles pouches on his biceps you know well you know you got to keep your snacks somewhere in the battlefield yeah, you know fig newtons and whatnot. well you got dog treats on one ankle <laughs> snake eyes treats on the other ankle. Yep. exactly this line actually does have my personal favorite joe character not so much figure but uh bazooka just because I love the the idea of someone dimwitted and clumsy, so let's give him a bazooka. <laughs> it's fantastic. All right, Drew. So, what is your number one? Uh, I I seem to be right in line with with Dan. Um, rounding out the holy trilogy of of Joe Line here, nineteen eighty five is the top. My top. I mean, look. The, uh, it's, know, it's a killer lineup. Like, I'm looking at it right now on screen. Folks, we'll put a link um, to all of this. Don't worry. This, yeah. uh, when I when I made my list, like I said, I got my lines <laughs> crossed and I said top three figures per per year. And I could not possibly pick only three out of this year. Every single figure in this this wave is just awesome. And they're all characters you know. And they're all designs I you know. Like this was the one that like etched everything into a kid's brain. Yeah. You think G.I. Joe, I think of most of these characters. I, I always had a problem with quick kick. Why? And the show didn't help. Okay. Because this is, this is like a military toy line on battlefields and whatnot. And I'll grant you ninjas. Yes. I'll grant you ninjas. Okay. But the dude going into battle barefooted with a couple throwing stars and some nunchucks. And in the show, he always got his tail handed to him by Storm Shadow, as he should. <laughs> so <laughs> it, was a, it was a character slash figure that I just never did anything for me. All right. Yeah, no, it literally makes no sense that he would be there. His, his, his military specialist specialty, uh, I think, is martial arts uh, expert. But he's also like, uh, I think he's like a trainer for the G.I. Joe. A trainer? You know? He's sort of a... Yeah, he's like a physical fitness guy for the for the team because I think this is just before we get the just before slaughter. This is before but, slaughter. Uh, yeah, that that sash, you know, with the ninja stars tucked into it. I, I I don't even know how that works, even if he's not in active combat. You know. <laughs> yeah. 
none, none of that suit makes sense to me. And yet, there it is again. It's an iconic design, and he was important on the show, and you just learned to love him. If I had to pick a, a least favorite, though, there's a dud in every, in every wave, maybe. I would actually go with Toll Booth as being my least favorite figure in that wave. And he was the driver of the... Um, the, the 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 thing the the bridge, bridge layer. the bridge layer thing and but he yeah. he always kind of looked goofy to me he just looked kind of derpy uh, I had that vehicle and I I did not play with it a lot <laughs> so yes yeah. because there's nothing really exciting about putting a bridge down no not really yeah. the challenge was always trying to find the right space that needed to be traversed you know there there was yep. never that like oh this is the perfect cavern that can only this bridge is the exact right size to fit this exact cavern for the joes to it's it's too just too deep for us to go down and come up the other side it's too long to go all the way around <laughs> so we need this exact size bridge yeah and this guy to drive it i, th- I think exactly just, just, but I, I i did appreciate that he came with a sledgehammer yeah 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 I mean, because when everyone else is firing off rockets and shooting guns, that's what you want, a sledgehammer. Someone's got to fight Road Pig. He's he's more the, you know, he's more the logistics guy. You're putting down bridges, setting up tents, you know, like he's going to, if the Joes need a a battlefield place to take lunch, you know, all that stuff, he's got the tent (laughs) ready to get get back. (laughs) All right. All right. Um, I actually like looking... Looking at this line on your screen, Drew, I think my favorite figure from this line was the Crimson Guard. Yes. I just the the design of it. Like I think the ultimately the Cobra designs conveyed more functionality within a military structure than the Joe designs. Like they're they're more uniformed a lot of them and had like specific role players than a lot of the Joes, because all the Joes were, like, so unique. Right, right, You right. didn't have, like, you know... You saw the green shirts in the in the show. But there was no figure for the green shirts. Yeah, you used Grunt. Right. So. Cobra had, you know, legions of the, these faceless guys in various costumes for various reasons. Yeah. So, my number one wave is the 1986 wave. See, look, yeah, we're, 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 you know, folks, we're all kind of in the same age group here. We, we all hit GI Joe around the same time. So, uh, but trust us, you go and look at anything that most of the things that came after this, that we're, we're in the, the prime, prime Joe time here. So my best, it was hard to pick a best figure from this because it came down to dial tone beachhead and the Cobra bat. And they're all great. Ultimately, I went with the Cobra Bat because just for the same reasons Dan mentioned, the lenticular mechanical chest, the multiple arm options, it just looked so cool and was just... Packed with accessories. Dial tone, all dial tone came with was his his radio backpack and his gun. That bat, he's got like six different things in the box. Yeah, but the thing that was like got me on dial tone and it it was such a simple thing. But I always thought it was the coolest feature was the communication mic that would come down off the backpack. It's funny. I, I completely agree with you 100%. And it's one of the dumbest little like insignificant <laughs> exactly. things. Exactly. You're like, oh, that is what made it awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like that's that's so cool. 
I will say Dial Tone's machine gun is one of the best uh, machine guns in the Joe. Really is. You're right. That's a good. That's a really cool looking machine gun. Dudes are like, I don't need camouflage. I'm just gonna rock a white MP5. Yeah, um, it's so dumb. There's dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of figures in that line that come with rockets and missiles and jetpacks and jetpacks that shoot missiles and stuff. And Dial Tone's got a you know actuating microphone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And it's great, and we love it. Um, my worst figure in the line, it was almost sci-fi. Oh, oh, oh. Once again, Drew, the oh. neon. The, the neon. Um, but my worst figure actually goes to uh, version two of Roadblock. Really? Because they version one of Roadblock was so great. They, like, they nailed it with version one. I think version two, again, there's just like a little too much bright colors in there. See, this is the one I always think of when I think of Roadblock. You see, I always think of the classic, the camouflage, tank top, and uh, the original. Like, I just think they nailed it on the first one. I never. Right. The version two of it never did anything for me. Actually, now yeah, that you pointed two, this out. Uh, sorry ver- version two for me felt like a conformist Roadblock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He sold out. <laughs> how how many versions of Roadblock were there? Because that um, wasn't the last. If one. I go on this, if we tumble down this rabbit hole on Yojo.com, it's going to be a long night. So many <laughs> by 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 ninety four there were there was that especially in the later years when they were basically trying to get, introduce new designs of classic characters to try yeah. and maintain interest in the line. So yeah. Anyway. And they just started repainting existing molds. Yeah, that too. Tiger Force, Python Patrol. Yeah, I never cared for any of that. Um, I don't think we uh, need to get into the later years, but I did actually go through every single year, and I picked out some favorites from every year. So if we ever want to have that discussion, I have a list, and I will yeah. defend some some figures in those later years that were still strong, although the line as a whole suffered very badly. 87 and 88 were still great years for me. 87 had Big Boa, Crockmaster, uh, the Dress Blues version of Gung Ho, Jinx, another ninja, Law and Order, another guy with a dog, and then Raptor, <laughs> guy who dressed up like a bird. Yeah, I looked at that. Um, that one almost made my list, and Raptor probably would have been not only the worst on the list, might be in the conversation for worst all time. He's in the conversation. See? Yeah, and so that's where that's where you know ten year old Dan Larson started to realize he was an action figure fan and didn't really care about whether or not it fit into the mythology of GI Joe. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I got gotcha. you. You know, like I was just like a guy dressed as a bird. I'm game. I'm in. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> 88, 88 introduces Budo, the the GI Joe samurai. Uh, of course, they need a samurai. That dude's awesome. And the Hydro Vipers who. Who designed that? You know, that like stingray helmet, devil fish, whatever that helmet was supposed to be. Yeah. He looked like a supervillain character. He looked like somebody that, you know, Daredevil or, you know, Wolverine would be fighting. He didn't look like a guy who was part of a, you know, terrorist organization. He had that webbed hand, too. Ah, I loved it. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I was looking at, I was looking at the later waves, too. And like you mentioned, Drew, like, even the later waves were as a whole were not great. They're always like standouts in, in each one, like um, Road Pig. And he's not even that late. I mean, he's yeah. mid, but uh, yeah, he's here is Budo and Vipers. But uh, what, was, what was the one we were talking about the one night, the Urban Viper? Alley Viper. Alley Viper. I love Alley Viper. I love every version yeah. of Alley Viper. 
Yep. Orange and blue. Another like, character. What's, what's he camouflaging? Again? Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But he's Not another big. one whose machine gun was awesome. Like I loved his gun. Yep. Yeah. What, I, well, that was another one. Just came with a bunch of gear, and he had a, sh- a riot shield and a, a, a visor that opened. Yeah, it was just. It's it's it seems like that deck. it seems like for the three of us, the way to our hearts was gear. <laughs> give it, give us a lot of stuff with our figures. Well, um, and it had to be unique stuff. Later on in the late in the nineties, they started putting in the the weapons that were on the actual sprue. They were still connected to the plastic sprue, the and so everybody tree, was yeah. basically getting a different neon colored sprue of stuff, and it was all the same stuff. Yeah. And even though that was a lot of stuff. It wasn't unique to that character, and that's where it kind of started to get watered down, and everybody was losing interest. I I was actually interested to find when I was looking at this that there was a point where I kind of stopped buying figures, but for a couple waves afterwards, I was buying vehicles because the vehicles I think like again there were some duds in there, but the vehicles kept being interesting and whatnot. Um. The uh, the one the one that springs to mind the one the one vehicle I've always loved is the Cobra Bug. The bug, the bug. Look at it. Look it up in the vehicles. Dan, are you familiar with the bug? Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Bug has a great uh, driver with a nice uh, glass dome helmet. He looks like he looks like a he looks like a more appropriate uh, Deep Six. You know, he's yeah, like a more he's functional Deep Six. Helmet. Yep. But the bug could do so much like you oh, got sure. they packed a lot those those are like rolling play sets yeah like it had a detachable sub you got some jet skis with it drew i'm gonna say something you might find her- her- heretical yeah um the bug could do more than the flag i, I mean probably but it still wasn't as impressive <laughs> well i mean certainly for, not yeah from a sheer <laughs> mass proportion no it wasn't but uh but yeah but the uh, the vehicles and whatnot, it felt, kept a certain level of creativity that just kind of lost in the figures. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe that's just me. Well, folks, that uh, that does it for our list. And, Dan, I think we're going to get you out of here on this. We, we definitely appreciate your time again, sir. By all means, tell the people where they can find Toy Galaxy, where they can find you in the uh, the social media multiverse. Absolutely. Uh, primarily, we are on YouTube. If you just search for Toy Galaxy, you'll find us. The specific address would be youtube.com slash Toy Galaxy TV. Uh, Producer Greg and I are both on Twitter. He is Toy Galaxy TV. I am Toy Galaxy Dan. Uh, I'm most active on Twitter and Instagram. My Instagram is Toy Galaxy. And then, of course, you can get us on Patreon.com slash Toy Galaxy. All right. Awesome. Dan, thank you so much again for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Okay, folks, that's going to do it for us here at the courthouse. We appreciate you stopping by and hanging out with us again. Big thank you again to Dan Larson of Toy Galaxy for giving us some of his time and a great discussion. We had a lot of fun doing those lists. Yeah, we're all kind of in the same ballpark, but you got to remember we're all kind of the same age range and GI Joe kind of hit for us all at the same time and probably exited for all of us at kind of the same time. Um, This was a lot of fun. We appreciate Dan coming on again. I mean, next time we talk to him to ask him about wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Such as. All right, folks, um, if you want to send us any questions or comments to be read on the show, you can do so at the following locations. 
You can go to Twitter and follow us at Devil's Due Pod. You can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Devil's Due Pod. You can email us at the Devil's Due Pod at gmail.com, or you can find all these resources available to you on our website, the Devil's Due Podcast.com. And folks, before we go, I do just want to give you a reminder. If you like hearing our dulcet tones on the on the podcast, you can come and see us live Tuesday, February 5th at Iron Buffalo at 656 Millersport Highway in Amherst, New York. That's going to be a 7 o'clock start time. Come out, see us, join in the fun. Uh, you know, Will, uh, William Waterrose, owner-operator of Iron Buffalo, will be there. Might be doing uh, some Star Wars Shakespeare reading. You never know. Crazy things might happen. So come see us. It's going to be a great show. That being said, Drew, any closing statements? Uh, none, sir. All right. Let's get on out of here. Y'all have a good night. Courts adjourned.